Welcome to another edition of Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is December 9th. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined today by Patrick Jankowski, Senior Vice President of Research at the Partnership. In this episode, we're talking about the outlook for the year ahead as Houston continues to combat the coronavirus and we work to realize the effects of a vaccine. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. AJ, it's always good to talk to you. Patrick, just yesterday, December 8th, you presented your annual employment forecast for the Houston region. I want to start with the headline here, and then we'll get into the specifics and the why. What do you see in terms of job growth for Houston in the year ahead? Actually, we're forecasting a range for job growth next year. On the low end, it'll be about 35,000. On the upper end, it'll be about 52,000. And the range depends upon how successful we are and rolling out a vaccine, how many people are willing to take vaccine, and when we hit sort of a tipping point to where we have enough people vaccinated, we have some form of herd immunity, and people feel more comfortable going out, and businesses feel more comfortable investing, and we start getting back closer to normal. We won't get back to normal soon, but the sooner we can try to get back to normal, the sooner we'll start to see the economy recover. And Patrick, just putting that into perspective, you know, 35,000 to 52,000, what, how does that compare to a typical year here in the Houston region in terms of job growth? It's, it's below what we should be expecting. In a normal year, a year in which we have no uplift from energy prices or no pressing down from energy prices, uplift meaning high energy prices are juicing the economy, low energy prices are dragging it down, we should create between 60 or 70,000 jobs. And so if you think 35 to 52, that's below what normal would be. Got it. So, you know, in looking at this, what factors went into the analysis you used to get to that actual range? You talked about, you know, the, the rollout of the, of the vaccines, other factors. What are some of the things that go into that analysis? Well, a, a big part of the analysis is trying to determine at what point the economy will start growing again. If mm. we started growing earlier in the year, then we have nine months of job growth. If we don't start growing to mid-year, then we only have six months of job growth. So part of it is the timing of when we expect growth to occur. The other thing is when I'm putting together the forecast, I actually look at every industry in Houston. There are 18 different sectors that I assess what's either holding up or pulling back on growth there and try to determine sector by sector whether they're going to grow or contract next year. And then I start plugging that into my models and then I aggregate everything up to come up with those numbers. Got it. So, you know, kind of going off of that, what are the industries that are most likely to lead job growth and which are the ones that are more likely to be a drag on that growth in the year ahead? The areas most likely to lead job growth are what I would consider the white collar sectors are sectors where you can still have a, a, an interaction with a client, but you don't have to be in the same room with the client. And that will be things like what we refer to as business professional and scientific services white collar jobs, things which are, are an intellectual process versus things which are delivering a service to someone at, at, a, at a table or interacting with them in a store and so forth. It still gets back to you know, the, the, the higher level educated positions or the industries which require people with a higher level of education to work in them. There, there are two sectors that are going to still struggle next year. And one is energy. And the struggles for energy aren't new. Energy has actually been struggling since 2014. It's just the COVID has made the struggles that much worse. The other sector is retail. And COVID has definitely affected retail, but start with the COVID virus has done. 
mm-hmm. is it's accelerated the demise in retail. There are companies out there that were struggling prior to the, to the outbreak, and now they're even struggling even worse or already under. There's a significant number of companies which have actually filed for bankruptcy and either shutting down entirely like stages stores and companies which haven't shut down yet, but you know, are on the brink, like someplace like Sears and JCPenney. Thanks, Patrick. We'll get right back to the conversation. But first, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsor. Bayou Business Download is made possible by PNC Bank, which is proud to support the partnership. PNC believes that giving back to their customers, their employees, and our community is the right thing to do. Visit pnc.com slash about us to learn more. The PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., all rights reserved. Patrick, every year you spend a few weeks doing a lot of research and that analysis that we talked about to develop this forecast. Did you anticipate these figures being in this range when you started the process? And I guess what surprised you the most in this analysis? Actually, I started working on the forecast at the end of October. Okay, so a little bit longer than a few weeks. (laughs) A little bit longer than a few weeks. One of the initial things I do when I prepare a forecast is I do an environmental scan. I start just reading everything I can that's going on in the economy to get some sense. Then I start looking at data. Then I start talking to people. And then after I talk to people, I call them back up and say, okay, this is what I'm seeing. Is this what you're seeing as well? Once I get some insights like that, then I go back to the data and figure out how I'm going to tweak formulas and how I'm going to tweak the model. So it's a very long process. I say that because the economy would have looked a lot different or did look a lot different at the end of October than it does now. Mm. Back in October and very early November, we did not know when we were going to get a vaccine. Right. And after mid-November, we knew that a vaccine was out there about ready to be approved. So prior to mid-November, I would have been a much more negative. Now that we know that there's going to be a vaccine out there and we're developing protocols for administering it as more positive. Yeah. And we know now, based on the news reports that we've seen and you know a lot of interviews that have happened with uh, health officials, FDA officials, and so forth, that most Americans will get the vaccine or, or be allowed to get the vaccine right within the first two quarters of next year. Many of them probably the second quarter of, of next year. But that at least gives us a goal, right? A, a light at the end of the tunnel, although the tunnel is still somewhat long. So we're looking at that, that magic number of 60 to 70% to get herd immunity. So the question is, at what point will we get there? How long will it take? If you consider roughly 300 million people are in the US, actually, it's more than that, but it makes the math easier. easier. <laughs> 300 million people, 70%. So we need about 210 million people vaccinated. But also they need two doses of the vaccine. So we're looking at how do we administer 420 million shots over the next six months. Mm. I'm confident that this is a a problem that we can deal with. Yeah. But it is something that uh, will affect how quickly we recover is how soon we can get to the get those 420 million shots administered. No, that makes sense. Is there a factor or multiple factors that could play out that completely blow this forecast out of the water? Is there, in other words, a doomsday that can happen here? Well, the energy industry is struggling, and that is a real concern of mine. I'm not concerned about what might come out of Washington. What I'm concerned about, what might happen in the Middle East. People don't realize OPEC is still holding a significant amount of production off the market to try to prop up oil prices. We saw a feud between Russia and Saudi Arabia back in March, just before the COVID, 
which sent oil prices down. Mm. What we may see is that there uh, companies or countries in OPEC decide they don't want to comply anymore and start flooding the market with crude to depress prices. If we see a significant drop in prices, if they get back down to the 30s again, we will see more layoffs. Yeah, that's that's one of my concerns. The other thing is, if we we fail to get the vaccine out there, if we get to the end of the first quarter and there's still a significant number of healthcare workers that have not received it, that's going to push us back at least another quarter in opening up the economy. Yeah, so hopefully the distribution plan that's being developed now and that you know gets the vaccine to the states to then distribute further, right, disseminate further, works, and 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 we can continue that uh, without interruption over the next few months. You know, conversely, might something happen that dramatically shifts the region's job growth into more positive territory? Uh, well, higher oil prices would help. That would be <laughs> one thing. Yeah, but we talk too much about oil. There's so many other factors. One thing that would really help Houston is we see an uptick in global trade. If we start to see the economies in Europe and Asia pick up, because so much of what we do is selling overseas. Yeah. And they're rolling out the vaccine as well. They have national health care systems. It may be because they have national health care, they're able to get it to their population sooner. And then once their population gets it, their economies open up. That will one thing that would help as well. But a really big thing that we could do for ourselves would be to pass a stimulus package. Yeah. It's not just a stimulus, it's also a safety net. The package that we had that expired at the end of July, we had an additional $600 a week on top of with the regular benefits. Yeah. Uh, right now, we're only talking about $300 a week, but $300 a week times the four weeks in a month, that's $1,200. That's someone's rent payment. Yeah. And so they don't have to decide between paying rent and eating. Yeah. So the other big thing that would, I wouldn't say blow it out of the water, but that would help lift us up would be a stimulus package. And as we're talking about this, I, you know, I read Bloomberg, I'm reading Wall Street Journal, I'm watching nightly business report. Congress still can't get its act together and figure out how, how we're going to add this additional stimulus. Yeah. Patrick, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. If you want to know the single most important thing we can do to help the economy recover, everybody needs to keep on wearing their masks. They need to social distance. And when the vaccine becomes available, they need to take the vaccine. I'm going to take it. My wife will take it. Everybody in my family is going to get the vaccine. Absolutely. Same here. And I think that's exactly what we need to be continuing to hammer home. We're, we are seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. But again, it's, we still have a ways to go. Uh, and if you want to get Patrick's forecast, uh, it is available on our website, Houston.org. You can download it there. That's it for this episode of the Bayou Business Download. Thank you again to PNC Bank for helping make this podcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll also find links to recent data and news updates. Please continue to follow the directives from local officials and health experts. And thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.